This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Man, we have a lot to discuss today. I appreciate you being here as usual. Joe Lieberman at the bottom of the hour, former vice presidential candidate, knows what it's like to have a vice presidential debate and defend your positions, but more, uh, but the priority being the president's positions or the nominee in Joe Lieberman's case, and that was Al Gore. In this case, last night with the vice presidential debate just hours, uh, completed hours ago, you have Kamala Harris going to bat for Joe Biden and Mike Pence do what he does best, and that's going to bat for Donald Trump, letting everybody know last night after that performance that uh, he's going to be solid for 2024. Meanwhile, uh, he will be at a rally today in Boulder City, uh, Boulder City, Nevada. That's an important state, especially with the president not able to campaign. And the vice president will attend a Make America Great, uh, Make America Great Again rally in Peora, Arizona after that. So he's got a busy day, and we have 26 days until Election Day, and now we only have two more debates. But wait a second, I'm stealing the lead story. We might only have one more debate, if that. Let's get started. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm back because I'm a perfect physical specimen and I'm extremely young, so I'm lucky in that way. You know, seriously, was, what were your I don't have any, you I don't have heart problems, I don't have diabetes, I don't have any of the problems that you read about. Perhaps a couple of pounds we could lose here and there, but, you know, there's a lot of people in that category. Uh, breaking this morning. A virtual debate. Listen to this. The Commission on Presidential Debates, which would be one week from today, announced debate number two will be virtual in a town hall format. The the town hall will be in Miami. I assume the president would be at the White House. I assume Delaware would be with the vice president. And the president of the United States has no interest in that. We'll bring you the latest. Number two. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864... Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Uh, Mr. Yes. Vice President, I'm Please. speaking. Please. I'm speaking. Okay. Senator Harris, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Veep Show uh, was calmer, more calculated, well-executed debate between VP Pence and Senator Harris. For Pence, this defense of the president was better than the president's own defense, and he won on offense on foreign policy, court packing, fracking, and more. Harris was composed but, comprom- uh, but co- compromised. I'll explain. We will bring you the latest exchanges that stood out on the ones you ha- may have missed. Number one. The Commission on Presidential Debates announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. Breaking this morning, the Commission on Debate says it'll be virtual. So here, let's get started. Now, the President of the United States found out, he said, minutes before We all found out, and that was about 8 o'clock this morning, that they decided a week ahead of time to make it virtual. Why? We all have Zoom accounts. You don't need to get ahead of the game. Uh, You you don't need to redecorate. 
Could you have waited a few days, have them test negative? And I also bring this into fray. Millions of Americans and uh, earthlings have gotten this coronavirus. Thank China. Only a small portion died. Some are still recovering effects. It's serious. But most recover fully. What a great example it would be for the President of the United States to say, yo, I had two negative tests and I'm now back at it. Just like you at work, you have two negative tests. You work for Goldman Sachs or Macy's. You're back in two weeks. You can take a little longer. I'm sure people will work with you, but you'll be back in two weeks. What is the rush? We are hours from the vice presidential debate, and then you go and tell the camps minutes before 8 o'clock Eastern time when making this virtual? Here's more from the president on this. Cut one. I'm not going to do a virtual debate. So, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. And so far, the, the Biden people weighed in and they said they're going to do whatever. It doesn't bother them. Next. Here's a little bit more, too. They didn't even tell us at, about at the point, debate, Maria. So you just learned this this morning? Yeah, we learned it the same way you learned it. They called up uh, two minutes ago, and uh, it was announced. And uh, they're, they're trying to protect Biden. Everybody is. They're trying like that NBC disaster where he went on a, this show with Lester Holt. It was like it was meant for a child. It wasn't meant for a, a grown person. And that was the town hall on MSNBC where they were supposed to be undecideds, and they were all Biden supporters. It was a joke. You should have been insulted if you're MSNBC. You should ask for your money back unless, of course, you pick the audience. Cut three. They didn't even tell at, us at about the debate, the, man. So you just learned this this morning? Yeah, we learned it the same way you learned it. They called up uh, two minutes ago, and uh, it was announced. And uh, they're, they're trying to protect Biden. Everybody is. They're trying like that NBC disaster where he went on a, this show with Lester Holt. It was like it was meant for a child. It wasn't meant for a, a grown person. Well, that was uh, me. I, I repeated the same cut. That's uh, my bad. So that's basically he was reacting, and you could hear the disappointment in his voice. He wasn't selling. He wasn't pushing. He wasn't marketing. He wasn't trying to get a point across. He wasn't uh, trying to say good news or bad news. He's disappointed. I think he needs the debate. I wish possibly that he kept his powder dry to say, we're going to wait for this and see if I can convince him to do something else. But the president says, I'm not doing it. So that would let Joe Biden off the hook. Now, the president says, I'm going to have a rally instead. That's fine. Um, A lot of people, there's 34 people that got the virus in the White House. Uh, Someone maybe with this campaign. Uh, As usual, this is everything is changing so rapidly. Remember. No one predicted the pandemic. We had the impeachment right before that, the impeachment trial right before that, before the vote. Then we had the civil unrest. We had the uh, the George Floyd riots. They were protests that turned into riots. We had the defund the police movement that happened. And then we had the continued coronavirus challenges. And finally, the president gets it. And now we see the after effects of how it's going to affect the debates. Uh, and, of course, the presidential debate, no one won. America lost. But last night, let's uh, pivot if we can. Senator Kamala Harris against Mike Pence. I thought they covered a lot of topics, too many. I, I, in fact, Susan Page is going to be on with us tomorrow. She did really well, I thought. You know, people have a problem with this question. I, listen, you can't ask every question. I thought she was good. Know that I thought it was key. So they would 
uh, have something to say. She let them come back again and when their records were challenged or they were personally challenged. They let them come back and finish. So you say, you know, Mr. President, stop, or Mr. Vice President, you can't do that, or Senator, stop here. But they let it go back and finish and correct the record. You know where that helps? Us at home. Because if you're not allowed to comment, you would think that other person's telling the truth. And if you want to come back and correct the record and you make no sense, you basically underline the, the accuser's point. So first, let's talk about COVID-19. They talked about the Rose Garden, setting up in the Rose Garden. And was that smart, considering how many people like Senator Lee, Senator Johnson, and others have gotten the virus? Cut for. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Uh, Mike Pence heard that and said, enough, cut five. Senator, I, I just ask you, stop playing politics with people's lives. The reality is that we will have a vaccine, we believe, before the end of this year. And it will have the capacity to save countless American lives and, and your continuous undermining uh, of confidence in a vaccine is just it, it's just unacceptable. So she's 100 percent right on that. And of course, it's going through the FDA. Of course, the president's pushing forward, marketing it, uh, mass producing vaccines while they're in the final phase of a trial. Why wouldn't you? So the other thing is Bob Woodward's book, where the president of the United States said, Bob, this is serious. This virus is pretty bad. Now, the president said, I'm not going to go level with the American people because I don't want to panic already in the president's mind. And I agree with him. You don't go out and say this is a pandemic like we haven't seen before that we have not seen in 100 years. What do you think would happen? The cities get abandoned. The supermarkets get stripped. Uh, the truckers get stopped in the road where people d- d- demanding foodstuffs. America becomes a country of hoarders. In my example in, is after Pearl Harbor, we really didn't have much of a Navy, didn't have much of an Army, and most of our factories were building items like cars. We had to convert them all. We had to have a massive draft. We had to put 5 million men into action and train them. But what did FDR do? Tried to get the personification of calm and coolness under pressure. Don't worry, we'll overcome. That's what the president's approach is. You may not like that style of leadership, but it's a style. So what what Kamala Harris has said is the same thing Joe Biden said, cut six. They knew what was happening and they didn't tell you. Can you imagine if you knew on January 28th, as opposed to March 13th, what they knew, what you might have done to prepare? They knew and they covered it up. The president said it was a hoax. They minimized the seriousness of it. The president said, you're on one side of his ledger. If you wear a mask, you're on the other side of his ledger. If you don't. Not the case. In the beginning, our healthcare professionals that everybody worships, like Dr. Fauci, said they weren't mandatory. And I'm not buying it that Dr. Fauci knew they would help, but we didn't have enough. Because they also told us how to use a bandana. They also told us how to grab a sock or a piece of cloth and do the same thing. So you talk about lying to us. Dr. Fauci is either admitted he lied to us or should just admit he didn't know. Because China didn't tell us what kind of virus it was. Crazy debate. And I thought Mike Pence was right on his game. 
Uh, and here he is uh, defending the president on the coronavirus response. You know why? He was in charge of it. Cut eight. Before there were more than five cases in the United States, all people who had returned from China, President Donald Trump did what no other American president had ever done. And that was he suspended all travel from China, the second largest economy in the world. Now, Senator Joe Biden opposed that decision. He said it was xenophobic and hysterical. But I can tell you, having led the White House Coronavirus Task Force, that that decision alone by President Trump bought us invaluable time to stand up the greatest national mobilization since World War II. And you can drill down on that. And years later, we're going to find out that uh, what we did right or wrong on this uh, once in a two-generation pandemic. Hopefully, we don't have to deal with it again. Meanwhile, the other big question, there's two other big questions. Number one, are you going to pack the court? They won't answer. We said Mayor Pete on Fox and Friends, he won't answer. Why they don't want to answer? Because the American people don't want them to pack the court. They don't want to just go arbitrarily add two states. They don't want to add seats to the House of Representatives so you can have a permanent majority. And they don't want to get rid of the filibuster or else they would have done it already. And by the way, uh, Schumer would have got done it already. And so would McConnell. But they both insisted, insisted on not doing it. But Schumer obviously has changed his mind. When it comes to fracking, this is maddening because you cannot convince me that Joe Biden doesn't want to get rid of fracking. Of course he does. And of course, that would destroy him in Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Dakota, South Dakota. Anybody that's doing it, it would ruin it. Texas as well. So fracking with Kamala Harris has already said, I don't want to frack. Now she's trying to get us to believe she will. Cut 11. Joe Biden will not raise taxes on anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. He has been very clear about that. Joe Biden will not end fracking. He has been very clear about that. <laughs> Joe Biden is the one who, during the, the Great Recession, was responsible for the Recovery Act that brought America back. And now the Trump-Pence administration wants to take credit when they, ran, when they rode the co- coattails of Joe Biden's success for the economy that they had at the beginning of their term. Okay, no one's buying that. Number one, no one brings this up. Joe Biden's in charge of the $800 billion stimulus package. Nobody knows where that money went. Ends up being just going to the states. You know where we're supposed to go? Make work projects. It was supposed to go to shovel-ready projects. There were no shovel-ready projects that they can get a hold of. So they end up giving money to the states. We're not even sure what happened to that money, but it went to programs like Solyndra. Uh, It went to R&D. It went to their green agenda. That's where it went. But he gets a pass on that because he gets a pass on everything. So Mike Pence comes back. Cut 12. Senator Harris, you're you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. You yourself said on multiple occasions when you were running for president that you would ban fracking. Joe Biden looked at a supporter in the eye and pointed and said, I guarantee, I guarantee that we will abolish fossil fuels. They have a $2 trillion version of the Green New Deal, Susan, that your newspaper, USA Today, said really wasn't that very different from the original Green New Deal. More taxes, more regulation, banning fracking, abolishing fossil fuel, crushing American energy, and economic surrender to China is a prescription for (laughs) economic decline. When we come back... Why what Mike Pence says was 100% right? What did Kamala Harris say about fracking? What did Joe Biden say about fracking? You don't need a fact check. We got the tape. one 866 Attention, Ohio. Attention, Pennsylvania. Even if you're not in that business, 
It helps the taxes in that state. It helps bring people into your town. And if you are in that business, understand who's got your back. And you should be proud to frack. That is natural gas, and the natural gas burns clean. That's what's keeping the CO2 down uh, in America's number, keeping CO2 down in America, but not the rest of the world. Uh, when we come back, that story in your calls, one 408 It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. I am not banning fracking. No more, no new fracking. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, we would would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. Yeah, and he goes on, other examples, and I'll tell you, little girl, no more fossil fuels, look me in the eye. Hey, Joe, listen, WRCN, Joe, I thought Mike Pence was fantastic last night, do you? Yeah, you be, uh, he did what, Brian? I, I thought he was first. strong, I thought he was really good. Oh, it was incredible. Uh, it was a massive performance, when they could teach that in schools. He should have been uh, uh, Trump's debate coach. I'll tell you, he was varsity last night, and Harris was JV. And I don't mean JV in a bad way. She did well, but he intellectually shred her apart. He tongue-tied her a few times, threw off a game. Uh, that was like uh, uh, William Buckley Jr. and Black Gore. That's who Trump should have been watching. This is really a fantastic performance by him. She couldn't hide her feelings. It spewed out of her a few times, the facial expressions. But I've seen that was one of the greatest debates intellectually I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah and we needed it, Joe. Very respectful. Yeah, we needed a good debate. Uh, the other one was embarrassing. Thanks, Joe. Here is Kamala Harris on fracking. Cut 13. 
Will you commit to implementing a federal ban on fracking your first day in office, adding the United States to the list of countries who have banned this devastating practice? There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. Guess who else is? Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. She tweeted out, fracking is very bad. Kamala Harris has to at least say, I would ban fracking if I was president, but I'm not president. But it makes people wonder, how soon to your president if Joe Biden wins? We'll give you the latest on the president's decision not to take part in the next debate because it's virtual and get your opinion on that. Also, a lot of you wrote me on Twitter and gave your impression of the debate. We'll go over that. Uh, And then we'll talk to Joe Lieberman next. He had a vice presidential debate against Dick Cheney. It was fantastic. What do you think about last night? We're about to find out. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm not going to do a virtual debate. So, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating is all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. And the president of the United States says he did not get a heads up and the election commission decided the second debate will be virtual because the president has tested positive uh, for the coronavirus and it's supposed to be a town hall setting. Joe Lieberman, former Democratic vice presidential candidate, respected on both sides of the aisle, former Connecticut uh, senator. Uh, Senator, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Good to be back with you. What so, a time. Yeah, I know. I mean, I have one idea for you for, to talk about last night, and I will talk about last night. But first, what do you think about the fact, first off, that the president finds out the same time we do that this debate will be virtual, not in Miami? Yeah, that's very surprising. And I, and I would say it's generally unacceptable. Uh, um, in the best of all worlds, the Commission on Presidential Debates would have had a discussion with representatives of President Trump and Vice President Biden about how to do the next debate, uh, but uh, just to uh, and then come up with an agreement. But just to decide, um, I, 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 I just don't think that was the right way to do it. The, the people on that commission have become somewhat very powerful and a little sort of autocratic in a way. But the second thing is, I do hope that this initial response by the president uh, is just an initial response because. The country uh, needs another uh, two debates from the presidential candidates. And frankly, uh, the president needs another two debates because I think his performance overall uh, didn't please either his supporters, most of them, and certainly not uh, people in the middle. So um, I I hope they can work it out. Sometimes the president, he's really good at this. He has an instinct. He responds to something, uh, but, but it's an initial position, and he'll negotiate to something better. And I hope that happens. Well, the, the, uh, thing, the thing that gets the president right away, number one, no heads up, so he's ticked off. Yeah. Two, and he's the president. My goodness. Right. And But number two is, you know, he saw the town hall that NBC, MSNBC put out there. And they found out that two of the people that on the undecided voters have already been on MSNBC as Republicans voting against Trump and for Biden. So you saw these yeah. soft questions, and you saw this the ABC town hall with Stephanopoulos basically booking a bunch of Trump haters. He never complained, but he compared the two. And he says, wait, now yeah. we're going to do a town hall 
where I'm not going to see him. I'm going to I'm not going to participate with the audience. And he could, uh, you know, they could answer in his earpiece. They could put it in the prompter. Some of his answers, almost like Rush Limbaugh is forced to do because he's deaf. Right. Right. So, look, it's um, uh, the president has a right. I mean, this can be solved pretty easily if the commission wants to do it by setting up a process where uh, an entirely independent body, entity of some kind, maybe even a consultant of some kind, but working again with representatives of the Trump and Biden campaigns to make sure that uh, the people asking the questions don't have a bias either way. I mean, you know, there are companies that do this for jury selection, for instance. They check the background of people to make sure they're not tilted one way or the other. So uh, he's got a right to to raise that question based on the the examples that um, you gave, Brian. But I think it's solvable, and I I hope they can solve it in one way or the other. So before I get to the sound bites and then have you specifically answer, just overall— you watch 90 Minutes. What would you think? First on Senator Harris. Yeah, I mean, overall, and then I'll get to Senator Harris, I thought it was a, it was a good debate. I mean, I think they both did what they had to do. And uh, frankly, it was a sort of a, a step back um, from the um, sort of mud fight that uh, the first presidential debate was. And I think most people in the country felt they didn't learn anything from. I think last night uh, they both spoke there on behalf of their presidential candidates and against the other ones. And, um, you know, it was it was a pretty civil debate, so I, I give them a pretty good marks on that. I thought um, Senator Harris did okay. I thought her, her strongest part was based on the, uh, uh, the COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic and just the fact that, you know, so many people have died. And it put uh, the vice president on the, uh, on the defensive. I thought he did a pretty good job in answering. But uh, overall, I think people judge in these debates, you know, h- how do you come across? And I thought this was her first big moment. Mike Pence has had other big moments like this on the national stage. And um, I thought people uh, uh, probably thought she's she's okay. Uh, I was interested in it. Again, it was CNN, so you may not accept it, but a majority of people said, they thought that she proved that she was capable of being president if necessary. Although I must say, even on the CNN poll, a larger majority thought that Mike Pence proved he was capable of being president, which I, which I think he did. I think that uh, he, he comes across as very solid and competent, whether you agree with him on everything or not. Yeah, I know. There's so many things. For example, this reminds me, Senator Lieberman, of after 9-11 – yeah, when when the President Bush on his uh, presidential daily briefing, it said it said uh, bin Laden determined it's attacked in our homeland. And then in September 11th, they hit, obviously, and they go, what was President Trump uh, Bush thinking? And then upon further yeah. review, they say, wait a second, this appeared before. What about the lead up to it? And then upon further review, you guys weren't even talking about Al Qaeda before. Now they say the pandemic. How could you not be ready for a once in a lifetime pandemic? I think when cooler heads prevail and the election season's over, they're going to realize what we what any country was capable of doing and what they weren't. But I want to bring you to what I think is a real a real moment that the American people need definition on, and that is if you won with Al Gore. The country yeah. would have been center left. Instead, yeah. Bush won with Dick Cheney, and you guys had a great debate and won center right. right. If this, and you might fight me on this, and that's okay. 
Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win in this current environment, they're going way left. And one of the things that people worried about is adding Puerto Rico as a state, Washington, D.C. as a state, uh, state, and then having those four senators and then forever tilting the balance of the Senate, getting rid of the filibuster and immediately packing the court. Listen to this question and answer. Cut 19. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864... Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Okay. The American people are voting right now, and it should be their decision. Senator Harris... People, Susan, are voting right now. They'd like to know if you and Joe Biden are going to pack the Supreme Court. Let's talk about packing. You once again gave a non-answer. Joe Biden gave a (laughs) non-answer. I'm trying to answer you now. The American people deserve a straight (laughs) answer, And if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme Court. She she won't answer. Mayor P won't answer. Joe Biden won't answer. Senator, what do you lead? What what, what do you conclude? Well, I think that this was the point of the debate where uh, Vice President Pence was the most effective in terms of impact on the campaign. I mean, he went in with a bigger burden to the debate last night because the polls all show uh, Biden uh, gaining uh, are pulling away from the president, you might say. And the reaction to the last presidential debate, the first one, was, was I think, negative uh, to President Trump. But I, I think that the, the goal of Vice President Pence in larger terms was to try to sort of let, make people start thinking again about who they want to vote for and see if he could bring back some of the people who said that originally they were going to be for Trump and him and changed their minds or were with Trump last time and, and have pulled away. And I think on this one, and what I'm talking about is the general uh, challenge about whether uh, the, the left will uh, dominate a Biden presidency as opposed to the center left. Incidentally, I served with Joe Biden 24 years in the Senate. He is center left. That's his whole record. And uh, of those 24 years, uh, and always worked across party lines. It's part of why people uh, yell at him sometimes because he, he worked with very uh, conservative Republicans uh, to get things done. But I think on this one, uh, Vice President Pence, uh, and including on the Supreme Court questions and the filibuster, uh, maybe put some doubts in people's minds uh, that pulled them back a little bit from being certain about uh, voting against President Trump and him. So uh, I I think that was an important exchange uh, in the debate. And and, uh, frankly, uh, Vice President Biden will have to answer that uh, in the next two debates, which is to say, as he said last time, but he'll have to give it a little more substance, I think, uh, that he's the Democratic Party now. And it's true, if you're the presidential candidate, you are the Democratic Party. But he's got to convince the voters that he's in charge center-left and not left-left, because uh, left-left doesn't win in America, and of course it's bad for America. And does the left-left know that? Today there's going to be a press conference where they're going to announce a thousand-word uh, proposal. It's called the Working Families Party People's Charter. It's Black yeah. Lives Matter, organized labor, uh, and basically members of the squad, which I think is 11 people. Uh, right. They are going to be talk about the climate advocacy group, the electoral justice program, universal health care, a jobs program to employ 16 million. That certainly sounds socialistic and a retroactive hazard pay for essential employees. 
So they're not. I think they're getting a little ticked off, Senator. You would know better than me that the pre, that Joe Biden has come out and said, "I beat the socialist. I'm not a socialist. Yeah. Or I look like a socialist. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not banning fracking, and I'm not doing universal health care. It's not going to be Medicare for all." But he had that memo of understanding with the Senator Sanders, who's yeah. going to bat for him. So I think there's some restlessness in the Democratic camp. Probably right, and and it's all about sort of a. Uh moving Joe Biden. I think it's a challenge for him and a test for him. Look, part of my whole story over my years in politics, try to keep the Democratic Party uh, toward the center. And this is another challenge again. These folks have a right to say what they're going to say today. You might even say it, as Lee Atwater used to say, about the Republican Party. It's a big tent. They can come into the tent. But Joe Biden is in charge of the tent, and he's going to determine what the policies are, and and I think he's got to make that clear because the sort of programs that this group today and the Green New Deal they're just they're over the top. I mean, you know, I'm I'm for doing something about climate change, but the Green New Deal is like a, a manifesto to change our way of life here in a way that I don't think is consistent with American values. Uh, yeah, getting rid of cows and planes. I think we both agree on this. Getting rid of cows and planes together. One, I'll get rid of, but not both. I don't think that's a good move. <laughs> I want you to hear what Mike Pence said about this. Cut 17. You were the first yeah. Senate co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. And while Joe Biden denied the Green New Deal, Susan, thank you for pointing out the Green New Deal is on their campaign website. And as USA Today said, it's essentially the same plan as you co-sponsored with AOC when she submitted it in the Senate. We don't need a massive $2 trillion Green New Deal that would impose all new mandates on American businesses and American families. So, I mean, those are pretty strong words. And to, to USA Today, Susan Page's credit, she looked that up. And she said yeah. the fra- it's based on the framework laid out by AOC and Senator Markey. So that, that's yeah, got to worry you as a Democrat. No, I, I thought that was a, that's another example of what I'm saying. I thought that the moments where Mike Pence was best was when he raised questions about whether uh, the Democratic Party was moving too far left and on things like the Green New Deal, which sounds great, but if you look at the details, it's just it, we can't afford it, and it really would I think hurt our economy and change our way of life. Uh, in a lot of ways. So yeah. I think it's important for Joe Biden in the uh, three or four weeks left to make clear what he said, which is that he's he's going to determine the policies of his, his administration. Remember the great story from the Lincoln administration that there was some item they were talking about, and he went around with his cabinet, he went around the room and every, asked them all, how do, how do you vote? And they, every one of them voted no. And uh, Lincoln said when it came back to him, the president votes aye, the uh, policy is adopted. That's what Biden has to make clear. But uh, is it the they, same guy, Senator? No offense, but you, Senator uh, Sanders, around the same age. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I would think that you guys uh, can handle it. I have legitimate doubts about Joe Biden. Is he the same guy? I, I believe he is. I do. Uh, but, you know, this is what he's got to show now. Uh, he, he's doing really well at this point. But uh, it's not over. <laughs> and uh Part of uh, of the test for him in the remaining days uh, is to prove that uh, he's, he's he is the same guy, the same center left Democrat that served for wow, a long time yeah, in the that, U.S. Senate. That's where we differ. I just don't think he is. But yeah. um, 
Uh, Senator, well, thanks so much. Always, always appreciate your steady hand, and we need more. We need more debates like you and Dick Cheney. Those were the good yeah, old days. Yeah, that was a great one. I'm proud of that one, and uh, I think everybody benefited. And I think last night was a win-win, really. Uh, and we'll see what they do with it. As I say, I think Pence had the bigger challenge, and I think he he actually met it. And I think she met her challenge too, but it wasn't uh, as large as Pence's right. because uh, the debate. Uh, began with uh, uh, Biden and Harris ahead. So and I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but I don't want to catch you watching CNN again. And if I do, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to talk Believe to me, other. I flip around, but I must say, <laughs> Brian, I must admit this is a confession. After a certain point in the evening, I, I go to Amazon or Netflix for some drama or comedy. <laughs> you know? I don't blame you. Uh, thanks okay, so much. My friend. Go get him, Senator. Uh, Joe Liebman, we're going to come back with your calls from Kansas City to Dayton to New York. We'll be there. Don't move. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I don't, we don't know what the president's going to do. He changes his mind every second. So for me to comment on that now would be irresponsible. I think that if I'm going to follow the commission recommendation, if he goes off and he's going to have a rally, I'll, 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 I don't know what I'll do. So uh, Joe Biden finding out they're going to make it a virtual debate. He says he'll roll with it. Uh, Joe, Donald Trump could not uh, be more up. He'd say I'm really let down that they're not going to wait to find get him two negative tests. They're not going to put him in a town hall setting in Miami. They say, let's do it virtual. Leave the town hall in Miami. Leave the, the voters in Miami. Put Joe Biden one place, him the the other. I don't know. The president does need, as, as Joe Lieberman just said, the president does need something to get uh, more momentum that Mike Pence gave him last night, who gave him momentum. But uh, I think they got to brief him first and see if there's another way. Dan, listen on WHIO. Hey, Dan. Hey, Brian. What's on your mind? Yeah, uh, so I watched the debate on Fox, and then I switched over to CNN right after for their commentary. And I think I caught Dana Bash in a bit of frustrated honesty because she said Harris did not get a lot of help from the moderator. Susan played it by the book. And I thought, oh, man, how disappointing must that be? to have a moderator not already in a Democrat's corner going into the fight. Understood. I think that's interesting. Uh, Rick, listen, on KDWN. Rick, Las Vegas. Hey, Brian. Uh, actually, um, on the back of what the gentleman just said, I don't care if the, mod- if the uh, moderator is uh, biased. Trump can handle that. That's not a big deal. What really kind of gets to me is that they sit there and they let them get away with the losers and suckers lie, the virus is a hoax lie, the both good people on both sides, and Obama economy is Trump's economy. You know, Chris Wallace even reinforced that with the, with the uh, good people on both sides. That's what's frustrating to all of us watching, all of us that uh, want to see a fair to be. Yeah, and that's why there's too many topics. I said, as soon as I saw nine topics, I go, there's not enough time. Because then one person talks two, the other person talks two minutes, and then you listen to those two minutes and go, well, that was inaccurate. Well, we're moving on. But she did let you go back, so there's a little bit more flexibility in, in, in that format. 
But I understand. I think Mike Pence did great. Kamala Harris was was solid, but but Pence really won that. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, we have a big hour. Call Rove at the bottom of the hour. Had a chance to digest, of course, the vice presidential debate. We got his instant analysis last night. We also talked about messaging coming out of the coronavirus. We want to get that. What's the right way to play this unprecedented event for the president of the United States who finds himself trailing, needing momentum? I think he got it last night from the vice president. Also, the news stunningly that came this morning that the election commission decided on their own, without informing both camps reportedly, to make this a virtual debate next Thursday. President immediately said, don't uh, count me out. Uh, so we'll handle that breaking news. And Chris Wallace is just getting out of the shower, so I'm going to buy him a little time by giving you the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm back because I'm a perfect physical specimen and I'm extremely young. So I'm lucky in that way. You know, seriously, what were your I don't have any, I don't have heart problems. I don't have diabetes. I don't have any of the problems that you read about. Perhaps a couple of pounds we could lose here and there. But, you know, there's a lot of people in that category. The president's remarkable recovery continues. And the economic rescue package was once dead, now very much alive. Number two. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Now, Mr. Yes, Vice she, President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Okay. Senator Harris, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Uh, the Veep Show was calmer, more calculated, well-executed debate between VP Pence and Senator Harris. For Pence's defense of the, pres- of the president was better than the president's own defense, and he went on offense on foreign policy, court packing, fracking, and more. Harris was composed... Uh, We'll tell you what it means in the big picture. Number one. The Commission on Presidential Debates announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. Uh, So the President of the United States responding to the breaking news, and he seems real disappointed. The Commission on Presidential Debates announced debate two, virtual. There'll be a town hall in Miami. No candidate will be there. President Trump is out. Joe Biden says, I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, With me right now is... Now it is time to clear the airwaves for the esteemed host of Fox News Sunday. You know what? You're going not what true. Doing you're doing it. You're going to have tape. true. Gentlemen, you agreed with Here's Bernie Sanders to the whole because, idea. Let, let him I did say clear the airwaves, right? So here's the deal. Good point. Okay, try not to talk over one another. Hold on, folks, because this is going to end up getting out of control. It's Chris Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. You know, I, I, you know, I've been thinking to myself, you've been spending, you've had nine days to work on that. And Lord knows uh, they gave you plenty of material. Um, you know, every time I hear that, I get a little uh, bout of PTSD. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I start, I start uh, an involuntary shudder, but uh, I got through it. Life goes on. Well, Chris, you got to, you got to remember you, you, uh, you took two weeks off from us before that. So, okay, Eric, didn't you have other opens, too? You had them. We're not saying you can roll them, but 
We had them ready to go. Well, you know, it, uh, we, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, so you're going to have plenty of opportunity <laughs> to make fun of me in, in other occasions. All right, good, because I um, when I go to Washington, I'm tired of staying in hotel rooms. I'd like to stay at your house. Let's not get crazy here. All right. Sorry about that. So what do you think about this breaking news? It happened during Fox and Friends this morning around 8 o'clock. The president goes on mornings with Maria, and a couple of minutes before he found out he is not about this virtual debate. Here's the full clip. Cut one. I'm not going to so, do a virtual debate. So, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. So, first off, your reaction to the president's reaction. And what about the Election Commission deciding it without informing either camp? Well, it, it, uh, the Presidential Debate Commission, um, it, it's first of all, that is the beauty of the Commission on Presidential Debates. They set the ground rules. They don't sit there and try and negotiate between the two campaigns. They've done this, I think, since about uh, 2000 or 2004. And, you know, they say we're going to have the debates on these dates and these places and these people are going to be the moderators. And. You know, they don't, because otherwise you get completely paralyzed. So this is in keeping with the commission. I, I, forgive me if I'm wrong. Didn't you suggest yesterday that a virtual debate was a reasonable idea? Uh, did I, Allison? I don't think I did. I don't think you followed my career too close. I thought you were on, on Fox and Friends. You suggested a virtual debate. In any case, yeah. it, is a, it is a perfectly reasonable idea. One of these guys has COVID. I know he says that he's cured. I know he says he doesn't have COVID anymore, but the White House hasn't told us that he's negative. Uh, All the scientists say that it's 14 days, which would be within the window of next Thursday's debate. I think, you know, look, you and I are talking virtually right now. You're not we're not in the same room, thank God. And and, you know, you, you can do a virtual debate. One guy's in one studio, one guy's in another the uh, the the town hall, the citizens that are picked, supposedly uh, undecided voters are there and they can answer the questions. Kennedy Nixon back in 1960 had a, a, a virtual debate where they were in separate studios. Why the president who's behind, according to every poll, double digits behind nationally in Florida and Pennsylvania would decide not to participate, I think is so self-destructive politically that I can't believe he isn't going to change his mind because he's changed his mind before. You're right. In fact, he's on the rescue package is the latest example. But here's what Joe Lieberman just told us when, you know, we were going over the news together. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. So, I mean, well, there's a Democrat. Well, Lieberman was a, did a debate with uh, Dick Cheney in uh, 2000 and got his tail whipped, so I don't, I don't regard him uh, that seriously in, in, in this regard. I think it's a perfectly sensible thing. When COVID is around, uh, you know, to, and, and, and you don't know whether the one of the candidates might have it. You don't know whether one of the citizens might have it and they give it to each other. I, I can understand the commission saying, let me ask you a question. What's wrong with a virtual debate? 
Why, why is this so objectionable that one person would say, I'm going to pick up my marbles and go home, and I'm going to give up the opportunity to talk to 50 uh, I'll, million I'll Americans you, and just, tell them what I stand for? I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you right off the top. First off, when you watch Joe Biden in his virtual episodes, there's been all kinds of weird things going on with his teleprompter, uh, whether he knows the questions ahead of time. There's some a lot of dicey things happening. Number two, a lot of people think that he's been propped up and protected. I'm one of them since uh, because they feel he's winning and it's his race to lose. And there's a fear that people will be giving him answers, be in his ear, uh, holding up flashcards during the uh, during this entire operation and. The key to a debate, I think, you're the debate expert, is extemporaneous responses. And where you can look someone in the eye, be in their presence, and see how they react under pressure. Now you're sitting in, 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 in the vice president's case in his basement, able to sit there and just respond to uh, and wonder if it's your turn to talk. We see this all the time on 24 hours a day on all the news channels. You don't know when to talk. You don't know when to jump in. It's hard to be spontaneous. You almost got to wait to be called on. It's just a totally different thing. To me, in addition, I would say, hey, I got an idea. Let's add a virtual debate to the three debates. I couldn't to see it as a substitute I'd have a problem with. If I had a choice, I would much prefer in person. I agree. But we've got we're in a period of COVID and one of the two candidates has the coronavirus. And the White House has been a uh, a model of obfuscation about what's going on. Do you know that we thought yesterday that there were 18 people in and around the White House who had the coronavirus? And today it turns out that FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, had a, 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 a memo out. 36 people in and around the White House, double the number. Uh, you know, I, this, this thing is a hot spot right now, and I don't know why anybody would trust the White House to tell the truth about what the situation is there in, in terms of health. So is it ideal? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I got to say all this talk, well, they're going to they're going to give them feed them answers and all of this. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like uh, we're now in the area where the trains don't run at night. What do you mean? I think it's a it's a foolish conspiracy theory, Brian. But you know what's going on, Chris. You, I, you, you You've seen it. With his I, well, I don't know. I, I was a participant in the debate, and there were, you know, people said, well, he was being fed stuff. Or, oh, I didn't say that. Were literally talking. Well, I didn't say you. No. I said people are talking about literally there has been stuff on the, uh, uh, you know, on the air about what contact lenses. And maybe it was like Google Glasses, and he was getting the answers. Folks, that two of them were there. They didn't have any outside help. Uh, according to the public, the president got beat in the debate. And and lost a tremendous amount in the polls, even the Rasmussen poll that always is the most favorable to the president. He's down 12 points. So, you know, you can you can sit there and look for excuses. If I were if I were Donald Trump and I had the opportunity to reach 50 million people, maybe it's not ideal, but I wouldn't. You know, he, he right. says that Biden can't stand up and answer questions. He's shot. He today said that he won't he won't be president for two months. Uh why won't he? Uh, why is he picking up his marbles and going home? Yeah, it's true. I hope. I hope he changes his mind. He's got to find a way uh, to get uh, to either get it onto his terms or have someone monitor. Because if Joe Biden's propped up, he can read the prompter uh, most of the time if it's not too far away. 
But I do say that you saw him with that Lester Holt debate, perhaps. I know you're a busy guy, but he was he was had a bunch a of layups. It was a town hall. You're, you're right, in the town hall. And you compare what Lester Holt did with two of those people who have already converted to Joe Biden, where Republicans converted, that we saw him on television talking about what a bad person Trump was. But that's what he sees. He looks around and says, there's already an imbalance. And now this will just give an opportunity for more imbalance. Here's an example of Joe Biden. Um, Maybe going to taking this so-called extemporaneous Q&A from supporters. Listen. And I would like to know, what will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Thank you. Move it up here. You know, there used to be a basic bargain in this country. Workers shared in the wealth their work helped create. So that's Joe Biden. Telling the so, prompter you know, to me, move let up. Me, let me respond. Let me respond to that just yes. for a second. You know who propped up Joe Biden more than anybody else in this campaign? Donald Trump. In the first debate, by interrupting 145 times, it it, it would have been rather than make himself the story if Donald Trump had hung back. And I agree. I don't think Joe Biden had a great debate the first night, but he he, he was propped up by Donald Trump constantly interrupting him. Had had the president stepped back and let Joe Biden talk and then picked apart what he had said. I mean, at one point I did. He was he basically was said he was for the Green New Deal. I said, have you suddenly become for the Green New Deal? And Biden said, no, no, I'm not for that. Had there been more moments like that where the president just let Joe Biden go off on his own, we might be in a completely different political situation now, which if I were the president, I would advise him. That's not that he's taking my advice these days. That's what you ought to do next Thursday. Let Biden talk and then pick apart what he says. Don't don't sit there and prevent him from putting an answer together. Chris, I don't think there's any doubt you're 100 percent right. There's no doubt if you just let him finish, uh, that would have been the best thing in retrospect that President Trump could do. There's no there's no question about that. And in fact, this is the answer Trump should have given. Cut 17. You were the first Senate co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. And while Joe Biden denied the Green New Deal, Susan, thank you for pointing out, the Green New Deal is on their campaign website. And as USA Today said, it's essentially the same plan as you co-sponsored with AOC when she submitted it in the Senate. So Pence, if, if President Trump had said that, uh, it would have been a home run that people would have been playing those clips forever. I, I, listen, I agree with you. You said it at the beginning of the, of the show before you uh, put me on. Britt Hume said it last night. Mike Pence did a better job last night of defending Donald Trump than Donald Trump did defending Donald Trump. He, he you know, less bluster, more facts, more strategy. Let Joe Biden talk and then pick it apart. Uh, that you know what? That's my free advice for the Trump campaign, and uh, it's it's probably worth what they're they're paying for. And you remember how bad uh, President Obama did against Mitt Romney in debate one, and to the point where SNL was even making fun of him, and how strong he came back the next two debates. Uh, so there would have been. That's what I think Trump was looking to do. So uh, who well, knows? he's got to change. He's got to change his mind because he says he's not participating. I I hope that he will rethink that, Um, you know, like he suddenly called off the COVID relief talks. Now he's talking about restarting them. Um, He he needs, 
he needs to be a little more deliberate in the decisions he's making. Chris Wallace, Countdown 1945, the special is available on Fox Nation. And uh, as you go grab it, it's a great special. Uh, I always see clips of it in the elevator. It's not, a, it's not a bad book either, but anyway. It's a great book. Hey, listen, it's, I, I missed you. I, you know, I didn't come on for a couple of weeks because I thought, you know, I'm about to do this debate, and I have a tendency to say stupid things when I'm on Brian's show and get myself in trouble. Ah. So I'm going to just protect myself. But now the debate's over, so I can be as dumb as I usually <laughs> you, Yes, you are your same old self. Thank you so much, Chris. Same old self. Appreciate it. Good or ill. <laughs> Back in a moment. One of the most popular talk show hosts in the country. Because darn it, people like him. Why do I go on the Brian Kilmeade show? Because, I mean, compared to Rachel Maddow, you're terrific. (laughs) You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Utah delivered what people said they wanted, which was a more genteel debate, a little bit more civil, and what you would expect when you come to Utah. I think Donna got her wish. It was a more boring debate, Uh, an uneventful inning, like no runs, no hits, no errors. I I don't agree. Dana Prino was a brilliant analyst. I thought it was a lot. I don't think it was boring at all. I thought it was informative, interesting, insightful, pressing. And Kamala Harris got her national debut, got uh, baptism there. Uh, people are talking about the way she handled herself. Mike Pence couldn't have been more prepared. Mike Pence outlined he's going to be a strong candidate in 2024. I don't think there's any doubt about it. There's, there's no question to me. So uh, in case you do not know the breaking news, uh, they've decided to make the next debate virtual. The president immediately in minutes said, I will not do that debate. Uh, and he says, I'll have a rally instead. It was supposed to be in Miami. And... We had Joe Biden say, I don't blame him, but the president should find a way to do it, find a way to do it, does not like the election commission. Then we just had Chris Wallace uh, come on and say, the president's got to do it. Just figure out a way uh, to do it. And then what's wrong with the virtual debate in these uh, strange times? So the things are kind of starting to come in. Keep in mind, too, I want your opinion on that. I, I think in one way I understand it's kind of good the election commission is totally divorced in their own island. On the other way, it's not really good because – I want a referee to be his own island, but both teams have a say in where you play, how you play, the uniforms, and the rules. The ref doesn't just pick up and say, these are the rules. The election commission decides these are the rules, and, and that's different. And I think there could be consultation. And the fact is, when the president's ruled out, he thinks conspiracy. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. So I think Kamala Harris's goal for the night was to not rock the boat. All polls show that she and Biden are well ahead. So once you're winning, you don't want to do anything that's going to change that. I think she was trying to deliver uh, lines and and lines of attack without appearing overly aggressive or appearing as if she was taking advantage of a situation in the White House that involves the president of the United States' health. Um, So I I think that she probably had her most effective moments in the debate um, at that point. 
So that was Maggie Haberman intellectually approaching in a way that I can understand, telling us what the Harris goal was, to not rock the boat. Well, I mean, uh, she was fine. She presented well. She wasn't nervous. But I think clearly Mike Pence scored the points, the points that took uh, thought. It wasn't quick word, quick uh, turnarounds. It wasn't quick catchphrases. It was like, let me tell you the difference between me and you. But Carl Rove was there live. He's former deputy chief of staff, senior advisor to President George W. Bush. His column uh, in the Wall Street Journal covers our second topic, and that's about the second debate, Trump-Biden round two, in a town hall setting. First, Carl, last night, your takeaway. I heard you immediately after. Even now, well, 12 hours later, what do you think of Mike Pence's performance? Did he reverse? Did he stop the bleeding? Well, most time, most of the times these debates don't have any real impact on the trajectory. But I think for everybody who was a Trump supporter watching last night, they had to be cheered by his performance. I thought it was very good. And he also provided a model for the president in the next two debates how to make it into a contrast. Um Kamala Harris came out trying to make it a referendum. The president was the worst president uh, imaginable when it came to COVID and uh, on everything, whether it was COVID or taxes or fracking or oil and gas or law and order or the Supreme Court. uh, Pence labored very effectively, I think, to turn it into a contrast Uh, to take a look at both of these men, put them next to each other and see which one you think is better uh, suited to do the job. I think uh, Mike Pence did himself a lot of good for 2024, but that's uh, much way to, uh, much further down the line. I just thought he understood the coronavirus and the weakness in, in their cases. In four years, they have not come up with an alternative to Obamacare. It leaves them vulnerable. And the Rose Garden yep. was not properly spaced. So it's impossible right. to rationalize that. You know, Carl, at one point right. you just got to say we could have been more cautious in doing so. Yeah, yeah. Well, and look, can I disagree just mildly with uh, Maggie Haberman, who's a great journalist, but I think has misread it. She sort of she has given the description of uh, Harris's mission: do no harm to the ticket. Uh, after the fact, here's what an unnamed advisor to I'm sure Haberman knows who it is. Here's what an unnamed advisor to Harris said last night, uh, said before the debate, as what the mission was. Quote: She, referring to Harris just has to go out, nail Pence to a wall, and walk off, leaving a trail of blood behind her. This could be a mic drop moment for her. Well, if that's what her staff was setting as the expectations, she didn't walk out of there you know, with Pence nailed to a wall and leaving a trail of blood behind her. And if she was dropping a mic, it was because she was nervous about his effective responses. When they went to Law and Order, I thought Pence did well, but he could have even done better. He could have brought up the fact that Harris raised money for a bail fund for rioters and got people out of prison, many of which had background checks that revealed multiple domestic abusers, men accused of sexually uh, assaulting a child. These are the people that she was out publicly saying we need money to bail them out, proving that they weren't peaceful protests, by the way. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I do have to give her credit. I thought that part of it, which was about race relations, she did a very effective job. She was the first speaker on the issue. She she really had I thought an effective, um, you know, sort of you know here's where we the Biden Harris team are coming from. But I think you're right. Uh, 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 Pence quickly pivoted to what happened in the aftermath of of uh, the the riots, Uh, you know, the peaceful protests, which everybody supports, but the rioting and the looting and the violence, which if if Biden and Harris condemn it, they condemn it infrequently and quickly. 
and uh, I thought Pence was also effective in that he had as one of his guests a African-American small businesswoman whose business had been burned out. And uh, he was making the point that the oftentimes the victims of this violence that we're seeing in our cities are people of color and the poor and the marginalized, and they're losing their churches and their homes and their businesses and their livelihoods and their neighborhoods. And uh, yeah. the, the former vice president of the United States and the current United States senator can barely be bothered to say anything about it. Uh, Carl, I, I know we've talked talked about this before, but this isn't a John Kerry beat George Bush. We're a little to the left instead of to the right. I know, bite my tongue. Uh, Mitt Romney loses to Barack Obama. He was more left than we thought, but it was still center left. You know, we remember... Uh, John McCain and uh, and Barack Obama, too. You know, John McCain wasn't a right wing firebrand. So but this is going to be different. And you can't keep telling me that Joe Biden's been moderate reach across the aisle. This is going to be different. First and foremost, get rid of the filibuster and make the Senate like the House. Simple majority rules. And one of the things they're going to do because of bitterness on the Supreme Court and a 6-3 advantage, they're going to pack the court. Listen to this exchange. Cut 18. Your party is actually openly advocating adding seats to the Supreme Court, which has had nine seats for 150 years, if you don't get your way. This is a classic case of if you can't win by the rules, you're going to change the rules. Now, you've refused to answer the question. Joe Biden has refused to answer the question. So I think the American people would really like to know if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States, are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to Pack the Supreme Court to get your way. And their answer is a non-answer. Exactly. Well, and look, a uh, couple of things. First of all, this is really scary. Remember, if they do win, they can kill the filibuster, the 60-vote rule that, that, that requires the Senate to try and find compromise. They can kill that with, a, with 50 votes. Because if they if they have 50 votes and it's a tie, and Kamala Harris is in the chair, she breaks the tie, so they can literally change the way that the Senate operates and turn it in, as you said, a replicant of the House. Anything can be passed with 51 votes. They can do that by having 50 Democrat United States senators who agree. So that's scary because they have clearly got – you're right. This is not your typical Democrat. This is not your typical Democrat party. This is not your typical Democrat platform. You go read that Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force recommendations, and it is a pl- it is a blueprint for the emergence of a socialist government in the United States. You look at the, the records of these two people. She is the most liberal member of the United States Senate. And he, after winning the nomination by being the most traditional Democrat, major Democrat in, in the race, has moved repeatedly to the left. Uh, you know, the old saw used to be that if you, if you, this is from Richard Nixon, if you're a conservative in the primary, run to the right, and then run to the center in the general election. If you're a Democrat, run to the left in the primary, run to the center in the in the in, in the general election. Biden stayed sort of, you know, as a traditional Democrat in the primaries, and now he's moved left in the general election, which says one of two things: either he is scared to death of what the left is all about. Or he is trying to accommodate himself to the new majority inside the Democratic Party, which is significantly further to the left than it's ever been. 
well, uh, in our lifetimes or really ever. Well, the left wing is getting restless. We know that they, uh, AOC came out and said there's nothing wrong with the New Green Deal, and it's, and it's uh, very popular. She also came back and pushed off. We don't like when you put down Bernie Sanders and Sanders, the socialist. Then twice Joe Biden says, do I look like a socialist? I beat the socialist. And now today there's going to be a press conference among this new group. They are called the Working Families Party, People's Charter, BLM, Organized Labor, members of the squad. We'll talk about universal health care, jobs program that gives 16 million make-work jobs, retroactive hazard pay for essential employees, and it's got about 1,000 words. They're releasing this. That's a message to America and to Joe Biden's team. Now, in case you think, well, that's just the extreme, people like there's moderates among the Democratic Party. You, you read between the lines with me with Chris Coons, who was on Fox yesterday. Listen to him on Special Report, Cut 36. What Joe Biden, given his record, given his platform, and given his view of our country, what he would prefer to do, if possible, is what I hope to do in the Senate if reelected and if we're in the majority. And that's to work across the aisle to deliver real solutions to the problems in front of us. If our democracy works, we won't need to take more extreme measures and change the rules of the Senate. But if we're not able to get partners who will work with us to solve issues right in front of us, like prescription drug prices or the opioid crisis, like getting out of this pandemic or building back better after this recession that's frankly largely been caused by President Trump's bungled mishandling of this pandemic, if we don't have good partners for this, then there may be other changes on the horizon. But that's not something that we need to consider yet. My hope is we'll be able to work together in the interest of bringing this country right. together you realize what he's saying, after this Carl? election. You realize yeah. what he's saying? Oh, yeah, he's saying, he's saying to do it my way or you'll come to regret it because we'll blame you for the institutional changes that will transform America into a socialist uh, state. I mean, that, 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 look, that's thuggery. You know, he may be sort of a mild-mannered guy, but those were the words of a thug. Do it my way or else. You know, I—, I, I you know, I knew that would get you fired there up. Are ways for, there, there are ways for leaders to work across partisan lines. Take a look at George W. Bush in 2007, working with John McCain, who, who he had had a tough battle with in the 2000 primaries, and Ted Kennedy, who in July of 2003 is the first Democrat to stand up and say Bush lied about WMD and Iraq. He knew that that was a lie because he looked at the same intelligence and come to the same conclusion. But he wanted to defeat Bush in 2004, and he's the first Democrat to step up and start peddling that lie. And yet Bush, the adult in the room, said, I'm going to work with these two guys on immigration reform because we can find common ground. He didn't say, you know what, you got to do it my way or we're going to change the rules and shove it down your throat. Uh, he said, let's try and find common ground and see if as, as you know, adults we can, we can come to a right. Come to a constructive solution, Coons. I, I got to tell you, that just that is that is just a, the th- the threat from that little guy is is something that that we should all be you know sort of let's recognize what it was. It was a threat, and it was a do it my way or I, or you'll be responsible for what I do next. I sent a column in the Wall Street Journal, Carl. Lastly, the President of the United States knee jerk reaction to the virtual debate. Uh, he's told next week, next Thursday, it'll be a virtual debate or no debate. He said, "I'm out." Did he make the right decision? Uh, I don't believe so. I, I still think there's a way for this to be done in a fashion that that where everybody's safe. Um, let's let, let's 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 for once let's uh, let's have the Democrats and the Republicans both agree. Let's let the science and the doctors determine what can and should be done. Wow, still winnable for the if you're in the Trump team. Do you still think you have a shot? 
Well, yeah, but uh, remember, in 2010, uh, 2016, excuse me, on the 10th of October, he was down by a bigger margin than he is today. But you got to have a plan, and the, and the ex- execution of these uh, next two debates is going to be critical, not because the debates themselves will change the trajectory necessarily, but the message of the, that you've prepared for those two debates, that's what can change it if you're hitting it every one of the remaining 25 days. Call you the best, but I know you know that already. No, I don't. I know, I know differently. I know, I know no, you do. I always love hearing from you. Thanks, Carl Rove. Thank you, Val. Appreciate uh, it. 1-866-408-7669. I'm back with what you think about everything we just threw at you in just a moment. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch, and there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We're completely committed to standing for social justice and racial equality. And that's been the case going back decades. It's part of the DNA of this league. How it gets manifested is something we're going to have to sit down with the players and discuss for next season. I would say in terms of the messages you see on our court, on the jerseys, my sense is there'll be somewhat a return to normalcy, that those messages messages will largely be left to be delivered off the floor. And I understand those people who are saying, I'm, I'm on your side, mm-hmm. but I want to watch a basketball game. And that, of course, is Adam Silver. Uh, he's commissioner of the NBA, and he knows that Black Lives Matter is printed on the court in Orlando where the bubble is, and they're one game away, it looks like, of uh, the Lakers winning in five over the Heat, who were real tough. But the ratings are down considerably, and there could be a multiple reasons why. But one of the reasons has to be the fact is – there's not much promotion. Number two is a lot of the sloganeering on the back of their jerseys. I mean, you big NBA fans don't even know who these guys are outside the bigger names. And now you have their slogans, approved social justice slogans on the back of their jerseys. I think it turned off a lot of people. So do you think this is, decision is partially due to ratings, but then also partially when they get fans back in the stands next year, it's going to impact that as well? Oh, yeah, I think so. Then you'll, you'll have another thing. You've got to sell to your ticket base. And it's not just going to be the good teams. You've got to, want, you got to identify... With the, with the men on the court. So do you, and if they, they're so angry at their community, it could be taken wrong, as you could see. Would they have been able to put everything on the court in the back of their jerseys if they weren't in the bubble this year? Yeah, I think they would, I think think they would have, have done it. But, you know, you'd have to get every single one of those franchises to agree to it. Now it's just put it on two courts. The fans don't boo. They don't cheer. And you don't have to worry about ripping tickets. So now uh, it's going to be a little different. And I also think, you know, to basketball's defense, they have, go, have to go against football. They're going against ba- uh, baseball playoffs. They just got rid of hockey a few weeks ago. But, and we're not used to seeing basketball in the fall. But still, Lakers are in the finals against the Heat. Pat Riley's Heat against LeBron James Lakers. All that history, nothing. Uh, Reigns are terrible. Uh, but there are some good stories. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Report, this CNN reporter's name is Joe Johns. You must know him. He's at the White House, and he gets a, he has a confrontation with 
a raccoon. Listen to how he handles it. Get! There he is. Rah! No, no events on the president's schedule today, and important to say, the White House. <laughs> Frickin' raccoons, man. God, again, this is the second time. Jesus. It always comes around right about when I'm going to go on TV. How so, funny. That's pretty cool. You said Allison Camerata tweeted that out? She tweeted that out. I guess he was about to do his hit, and then he said uh, some, he felt something on his leg, and he thought it was another cameraman or something. He looked at it was a raccoon. But here's the thing, uh, Allison and Eric. You can't really blame raccoons. You're outdoors. You know, it's not like you're in your living room and go, what's the raccoon doing here? Apparently it's, there's they're a... They're not even in your attic. You're in there. You're in there. yard. Well, he's at the White House. He's on the White House grounds. Yeah. So apparently the White House is having some raccoon problems. But when you hear that second, yeah, he's t- he picks up a footstool right where you stand on and he throws it at the raccoon. <laughs> well, I mean, because raccoons will attack you, but only rabid raccoons. Yeah, they- but I mean, these aren't rabid. I think they're just curious and looking for food. You Okay. Well, let's play. don't feed the raccoons. You should not feed any wild animal. Next, LeBron James will replace Serena Williams on the Wheaties box. Champions is not who you are. A tweet a Wednesday from the company about selecting the NBA superstar. Breakfast of Champions box reads now. It's what you do. We're proud to announce that King James, along with the students of the community from Promise School, is our is our on our Wheaties. They have become our Wheaties champions. Promise School is something I think he fully finances to give uh, kids in uh, adverse situations a chance. And it almost seems like a charter school. You know, I think that'll be nice. I don't see why they both can't be on different boxes, but it's good. Right. Uh, I'm, a, I'm pro Wheaties. Next, the Patriots have to cancel practice amid reports of a new positive test. Uh, the NFL Network and Sports Illustrated is reporting it. Belichick's schedule of the session with reporters was also pushed back. Uh, starting quarterback Cam Newton missed New England's loss in Kansas City. He had a positive test, but he's asymptomatic. Uh, also, Newton's positive test prompted the NFL to postpone New England's game against the Chiefs, but for just a day. They're getting worried in the NFL. If this gets worse from Tennessee on down, uh, Pittsburgh had their problems too. They changed their bye week. They might have to go into an each individual bubble, each city. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'll just mute the television. So much going on right now with the breaking news on the on the latest news on the debates for next week, one week from today. We have 27 days to the 26 days to the next election. And by the way, kind of an interesting note. People are saying... How responsible, how great it is that uh, the, the Lindsey Graham's, let me just, Lindsey, Lindsey Graham's opponent, Jamie Harrison, said, I'm going to debate Senator Graham, but he's been around President Trump, so I want plexiglass. And then Kamala Harris says, I like the stage, I like the distance, I want to double it, instead of six feet, make it 12 feet, and I need plexiglass. At the same time, they tell us to follow the science. Listen to this. The barriers might make more sense, according to the scientists, if Pence and Harris were seated more closely together on the podium, scientists said. But the risk in this setting is airborne transmission of the coronavirus and the barriers will do nothing to protect Ms. Harris. That according to a scientist who spoke to the USA Today, Lindsay Marr, an expert on airborne viruses at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. She laughed. When she first heard about the plexiglass, she said had imagined an enclosure with an opening maybe on the back or on the top. 
but these are even smaller and less adequate. So he went on to say those plexiglass barriers are really only going to be effective if the vice president or Kamala Harris are actually spitting at each other. That according to Ellie Murray, an epidemiologist at Boston University. So you want to follow the science? Take down the plexiglass. It did absolutely no good. I guess you're trying to send a message. But you have to tell the American people everything. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm back because I'm a perfect physical specimen and I'm extremely young. So I'm lucky in that way. You know, seriously, was, what were your I don't have any, I don't have heart problems. I don't have diabetes. I don't have any of the problems that you read about. Perhaps a couple of pounds we could lose here and there. But, you know, there's a lot of people in that category. Uh, there you go. The president of the United States. Uh, Talking about the COVID crisis, and guess what? He feels a lot better. And guess what else is happening? A rescue package is on deck, I hope. Fingers crossed. Number two. I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864. Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Senator Harris, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Uh, there you go. Uh, that is the Veep Show. Calmer, more calculated, well-executed debate between VP Pence and the candidate Harris. For Pence, his defense of the president was better than the president's own defense of his, himself and his own policy, from foreign policy to court packing to fracking. I think Pence knocked it out of the park. What about you? Number one. The Commission on Presidential Debates announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. Breaking this morning, the Commission on the uh, Presidential Debates announced debate number two will be virtual. There'll be a town hall, but they'll be in Miami. The candidates will be in separate locations. president says, I'm out. Joe Biden says... I'll man, whatever you want to do is fine with me, and don't don't be surprised if the president changes his mind. Let's go out to Mick Mulvaney, former OMB director and former chief of staff of the president of the United States. Uh, Mr. Mulvaney, welcome back. Brian, it's good to be here. Hope you are well, my friend. Good. I guess you must feel better about your former boss after watching Mike Pence in action last night. Oh, sure. I, mean, I like Mike. Excuse me. I like the vice president. That, by the way, it's a bad habit I get into. Mike and I serve in the House together, and House members have this habit of calling each other by their first name, so I mean no disrespect. I thought the vice president last night was great, um, and just exactly what all of us know him to be, sharp, calm, steady, um, but aggressive when he needs to be. That's Mike Pence, and I think uh, the country got a chance to see him for uh, – for what he is last night, and he came out extraordinarily well. All right. Uh, first off, I, I want to play some clips with uh, the president's knee-jerk reaction minutes before hopping on Maria is they didn't even check with me. I'm out. I don't do virtual debates. Now, Carl Rove said, uh, as much as I understand it, he's got to do it. Uh, Mick, from what you know, what would you recommend? Well, I don't know the rules. I mean, I don't know what they commit to. I don't know why Carl's saying he has to do it if, that's a, if he thinks that's a, a legal requirement. I can't imagine that if it's just a good idea. Um, but uh, I he made good along, idea, not a legal requirement. <laughs> the, the Biden team, the Biden team has been looking for a way to get out of these these debates from the very beginning. I, I've been on radio, I've been on TV saying there's going to be maybe one debate, if that. Um, and it doesn't at all surprise me that this is the way it's going. The president's absolutely right, by the way, not to do a virtual debate. Um, that's not what folks are looking for. They want to know, you know, can Joe Biden think on his feet? They want to know how does Joe Biden do under pressure? And, you know, when you're in a virtual circumstance, you don't know who's behind there prompting him, you know, who's feeding the answers, who's giving him notes. It's just not right. It's not what a debate is. I've done it, I don't know, a dozen times in my life. 
and a virtual debate is not the same thing. And I think the president's right to say, look, we agreed to rules. And that's how it works, by the way. You negotiate these things. Uh, candidates and their, and their campaigns negotiate these rules, whether or not you can stand on a box or whether or not you can take notes or whatever. And those rules are negotiated um, mutually in advance. You don't get to come in afterwards and change the rules uh, and, and, uh, and, have, and expect you know, all the parties to take it. So I think the president's probably right to say no. Um, it wouldn't benefit him to, to, to mm. be in those circumstances. They didn't even tell us at, about at the debate, that, Maria. So you just learned this this morning? Yeah, we learned it the same way you learned it. They called up uh, two minutes ago, and uh, it was announced. And uh, they're, they're trying to protect Biden. Everybody is. They're trying like that NBC disaster where he went on a, this show with Lester Holt. It was like it was meant for a child. It wasn't meant for a, a grown person. So, you know, and he did notice Lester Holt, uh, basically NBC rigged the audience. Compare that to what ABC did to the president with George Stephanopoulos. But having said that, uh, the reason why I said and what Carl Rove says, the president's got a gap to fill. And to get in front of 50 million people uh, with the vice president, you know, do you just do you adjust to the playing conditions? That's that's the question. You know, I, I respect Carl and I, I'm sure he's got data to back that up. I, I've seen data that would tend to suggest that there are no undecided voters left. Um, and that really this that, that this now it's just a question of whose side turns up to vote. Um, I think that was uh, the, the takeaway from, from Frank Luntz's um, uh, focus group after the first debate, that, that there's just not any undecided voters really out there yet. So, look, there's a lot more downside to Joe Biden doing it. There's no question about that. The president doesn't have a lot of downside from doing a debate. Um, but there is a fairness principle here, Brian, which is that the, the, the commission doesn't get to change the rules unilaterally, that it's not that's not how these things work. There are ways to do this safely. They've made this decision a, a week in advance. They don't even know what the president's COVID situation is going to be next week. It's likely or possible, at least, that he'd be, um, you know, two negatives from his from his COVID test by then. It'd be no additional risk, to Joe Biden. So. Um, I, I think it, I didn't see the thing on president this morning. I was on uh, on another network, um, but uh, it doesn't surprise me to hear him say he's not going to do it because I think that's his gut instinct and it's probably right in these circumstances. So, Mick, what would you be approached now if I uh, were talking to Mick Mulvaney, by the way? So what would you be approached now? So we know that today and you probably don't political had the exclusive story. There's going to be, uh, I think, a presser. They're going to announce the Working Families Party. It's a people's charter. Black Lives Matters, uh, the squad, organized labor are going to announce their program of universal health care jobs program that would employ 16 million, a retroactive hazard pay for essential workers. It's got about a thousand words in this project. Uh, and they want to get that message across to not only America, but to Joe Biden. So that's the fissure. I mean, America wants to find out what they're yeah. getting in Joe Biden. And it seems very hard for the Trump team to take the top off. This could get the top off. It could. And that's the one thing that you haven't heard yet. And uh, I think you drew attention to it on the television program this morning, is that what's the one question that it looks like Joe Biden and now Kamala Harris will not answer, which is what are you doing about the court? Are you going to pack it number one? Who would you put on right now if you if this if this nomination was yours? That's that, that's that's a really important question, and just as importantly from a political standpoint, it's a straightforward question. You ask somebody what your you know what your economic policy is going to be. That that can be winding, and you can get around that. You can dodge those questions all day long. Politicians know how to do that. But will you pack the court? Yes or no? Who are you going to put on the court? You know, give me a list. Those are things that are hard. To, 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 to avoid, and it's, it's very disappointing to me that, that both 
um, uh, both moderators did not push uh, Biden or Harris on it in the last two debates. Those are questions that folks need to have answers to. And it does exactly what you've just described, which is it exposes the left for what it is. This is a hardcore left-wing group of people. I'm absolutely convinced that one of the reasons um, that everybody was okay with Biden being the nominee after everybody was sort of, you know, uh, really lukewarm about him going into the uh, into the uh, primaries was that they can manipulate him. And they know that the left wing of the party is where the energy is. It's it's where they're going in the transition hiring. You know, they're lining up people to take over an administration. The party's going hard left. And every chance that the Trump administration, uh, Trump campaign has a chance to expose that, they should take advantage of that. So, Mick, would you have recommended the drive around that the president did a couple of days ago? You know, I guess I'm in the minority. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's not, it did not violate my sensibilities at all. And here's why. Um, put, your, put yourself in the, in the shoes of the president of the United States. And for whatever reason, and believe me, mistakes, honest mistakes get make all, make, made all the time. But what had happened there was the doctor had gone out and said the president's really healthy. And the chief of staff had gone out and, and sort of said, well, maybe that's not the case. So there was conflicting messages, not only to the press, but to the public and to the world, including our allies and our enemies. And it would not surprise me at all if under those circumstances Donald Trump said, you know what? We'll cut through all this. I'm going to show people what the truth is. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this. It's a, it's a very Trump thing to do. Um, so it sends a very clear message. He's like, look, I know you've heard this. I know you heard that. Don't believe what you hear. Believe what you see. Here I am. All is well. And that message goes out to China and Iran and North Korea and our friends as well. I know the president took a little bit of criticism, actually a lot, in the left-wing press for you know having uh, the Secret Service agents with him. But face it, the Secret Service agents are with him wherever he goes. When he got on a helicopter after that, he would have had to have Secret Service agents. That's, that's what they do. And there are ways to take precautions, masks and yep. shields and so forth that would do that. So no, I was not at all, I was not, uh, I was not in that group that thought it was a bad idea. I thought it was a, a solid message to send and a very Trumpian way to send it. So do you, how do you feel um, Mark Meadows is doing in your old job in this current climate with not only running for re-election, but in the middle of COVID virus, and it turns out your boss turns out positive, you're trying to stay negative, while 34 people in the White House have tested positive. How's Mark Meadows doing? What would you recommend? Uh, I think Mark's doing as, as, as good as you can under the circumstances. I mean, I, I, no one could have anticipated this. I mean, we knew... You know, Mark and I are friends, and people don't realize that. And I had been talking to the president for a long time about who the next chief was. Remember, I was acting chief for a reason. It was always supposed to be short-term. We're always looking for who would come in and actually do it. I was hoping for a while to go back to OMB, but after a while, that was not possible. So I took the Northern Ireland gig instead, which I really like and am having fun doing. But we talked about Mark, uh, and so Mark and I worked to, to, to make the transition from um, my leadership to his as successful as possible. But we knew COVID was there, and we knew that was going to be difficult. To add to that, then, um, the re-election campaign and then a re-election campaign when the president gets COVID, it's just I don't think any chief of staff has been through circumstances <laughs> like this. And that's coming from a guy who dealt with the Mueller report and impeachment and the beginning of the COVID crisis. So I have nothing but sympathy for my good friend, and uh, I hope he's doing well. Uh, he's in my prayers on a regular basis. The, the report was the president was furious at him to have it because he had a different message than the doctors at Walter Reed. Uh, and then I asked uh, Mark Meadows about that directly, and he said, the president and I interact all the time, and uh, I was with him yesterday, and we had a great mm-hmm. time. Can you read between the lines for me? Yeah, it doesn't make any difference is, is what he says. But, President, listen, these are very, very fluid situations. 
Um, I mean, I remember when I gave my, my, my presser uh, during the impeachment that it got all of us attention. The president goes back and goes, yeah, that wasn't bad. You know, we have to clean that one thing up. But the president gets it, okay? He understands communications. He understands that there's a lot of moving pieces and parts. Um, I, don't, I, I think the press makes a much bigger deal out of those types of things than we did within the administration. So I don't think it undermined his relationship with the president at all. So, so Mick, did you, do you ever remember the press like this? I, I mean, I've been doing this for a while. I never remember it. I mean, I put on other channels. I used to do it, especially to help with the radio show, to get different opinions and make it different from TV. But I can't even watch the other channels. They give the president yeah. nothing at all. It doesn't even – if you say something like Rick Santorum says something on CNN that makes sense, they go, why you even have him on? He, and they literally – Anderson Cooper will yell at him. Yeah, I thought one of the signs that uh, that Mike Pence won last night uh, – and I, I know that Frank uh, – Frank's a friend of mine, and I, I saw his focus group, and his focus group thought that Mike Pence won. But I thought the best evidence – that Mike won was that 38% of the people who watch CNN thought that Mike won. Now, ordinarily, you would expect that CNN audience to be 99% Democrat. Um, so I thought that was one of the best metrics that I saw about that. It's unfortunate. It just is. The press has given up caring about the truth. They've given up, and not not all the press. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's just there's actors. CNN probably is pretty much all of them, and all of MSNBC. They don't care about the truth. They care about getting rid of this president. That's it. Um, and I could tell you story after story after story of, of, of my interactions with the press. Has it always been like this? I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, the concept of an unbiased press, I think, is, is, is a quaint idea that we dealt with for a short period of time after World War II. But for the most time in this country, press has been biased one way or the other. The problem is when you masquerade and pretend to be unbiased and pretend to be a journalist, when really what you are is an activist. Um, and you know, I give credit to the left wingers who admit that, um, but not all of them do. And most folks on CNN, example, do not. Uh, Mick Oslov, having you on. Uh, are you in Northern Ireland now? I just got back. Just got back on Saturday. It was my first trip. Um, COVID has uh, thrown um, a yep. curveball in diplomacy, just like it has in so many other things. I was there for a week. Very, very productive. Very uh, pleased that the president gave me this opportunity. It's a job that I had uh, actually talked to him about when he offered me the chief of staff job. So uh, means a lot to me, and I feel like I'm continuing to help in a little in a little way. Right. I'm also out on the campaign for the president as the uh, national co-chair of Catholics for Trump. So going to be on the road this weekend for him as well. Uh, still fighting the fight. Uh, one of the MVPs on the president's side, uh, Mick Mulvaney. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Uh, we come back. Your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The complaint about Elizabeth, about uh, Kamala Harris, was that she was abrasive and condescending. The complaint about Mike Pence was that he was too tired, but vice presidential or presidential. If this is a battle over style and substance, which is often the case with undecided voters, because they simply do not choose on policy. They also choose on persona. This was Mike Pence's night. 
And that was uh, Frank Luntz with his focus group relaying what he heard from them. Mike is listening online in Montana. Hey, Mike. Hello. Mike, you're on. Hey, uh, Brian, I wanted to ask you, you know, the way the debates have gone and now they're going to this mobile thing, why don't we have the American public call in and ask the questions so we can really get down to the facts? I think the the moderators have their own opinions to an extent. Do you think Susan Page was was problematic? uh, I thought she did a better job than Wallace, um, but, but we're still not getting straight answers. I mean, I don't have a problem with the remote debates. But why don't we let the American people get, get, you know, get, you know, piped in and ask the questions so we can get real answers? Yeah, I mean, and maybe the town hall format is more to your liking, Mike. But uh, keep in mind, if I choose not to answer your question, I've kind of answered your question. So when, when you say I'm not going to pack the court and you keep changing the subject, you kind of answer the question. You're going to pack the court. If you're going to say I'm not going to add states, I won't answer that question. You're going to add states. So the American people are so much smarter uh, than the candidates think. They think they got over on us. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. This was a strong night for Mike Pence and for Donald Trump by, uh, by virtue of what Pence did tonight. He really walked through how liberal, far left, the Biden-Harris ticket is. Harris stepped in on taxes. When she said repeal, Pence followed right up. That is indeed a tax hike for all Americans. It raises rates from 12 percent to 15 percent, takes away people's child credits, gets rid of the standard deduction, lowers it. Big night, big mistake by Harris. But on the court packing, that's again, a moderator didn't ask it, but Mike Pence stepped into the breach, raised the issue. And if I'm Donald Trump, what I say on the next debate is if they pass that, I promise you, I will veto it. Joe Biden, you will sign it. Uh, there you go. And by the way, what Ari Fleischer said was 100 percent correct. What Ari Fleischer said when the when Mike Pence says you're going to raise taxes and she says only for people who make over 400,000. No, if you're going to get rid of the tax plan, you're going to raise taxes and People keep saying these corporate tax cuts as if everything's Goldman Sachs or uh, or Shearson Lehman. No. You know what this is? This is the small business, the deli owner. Uh, these are people that, that want to uh, be able to compete with other countries and bring businesses back that provides more jobs. And prior to the pandemic, I think they added 400,000-plus manufacturing jobs, and more would have come back. But even Barack Obama knew the corporate rate was too high compared to the other nations we're competing against. And he was going to lower it, but he wanted uh, to raise the upper bracket, and the Republicans wouldn't go along with it at the time. So uh, we'll take a look at that. I thought Ari Feischer was right in saying that Mike Pence was great. And I think that if Ari, if um, the new strategy I'm sure that Donald Trump will have if he ever gets another debate in, because now they want to make it virtual and he doesn't want to do it, uh, is got to let him talk. Because the more he talks, the more exposed he'll be. Joe, listen on WABC. Hey, Joe. Hi there. Hi there, Brian. Great show, of course, you know. But I'll tell you something. If uh, boring George Biden, right, becomes president for the next four years, I don't know what the news media is going to enjoy. You know, I tremendous, even those who are against the president, you know, at least he provides tremendous fun, you know, to be president. I mean, uh, uh, the uh, news media, what are they going to talk about? 
You know, uh, now, regarding the points, the advantages that the president has over Biden, can you tell me one thing, including the environment, that Biden has an advantage over the president? For example, as far as uh, the environment, the president is so pro-American patriotic that he says simply, why should we spend billions and trillions uh, without India and China and the other countries? Joe, that's a good point. I'm going to have to stop you there because our guest is here. But uh, what he has advantage of, he's not Donald Trump. No one's voting for Joe, uh, voting for Joe Biden. Very few outside his family. The people that are voting for Joe Biden are the ones that just dislike Donald Trump. Uh, Doug Schoen's a professional at this. He's trying to get Mike Bloomberg the nomination, did the best he could, helped him become mayor. Uh, Doug Schoen's as a political strategist, Democrat by trade, also a very successful writer. Doug, welcome back. Brian, thank you for a very kind introduction as always. Right. So, Doug, first off, I, I, thought, I thought this was a really good debate. Uh, I thought yeah. that Mike Pence was really ready. He was ready to go into different shades of answers rather than this is right and this is wrong. Although he was able to go deep on foreign policy and the economy. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I thought both candidates did well. I, I, I thought it was the kind of exchange you want in a presidential or vice presidential debate. The differences between the candidates were presented clearly. Their evasions were also clear. And I think it gave voters a, a chance to assess the strengths and weaknesses of each ticket. I, I commend it. I thought it was a good exchange, and I was very positive. All right, so here's Kamala Harris talking about COVID-19, where he thinks, yep. and so far their ratings show, uh, that the Pence team, Pence, Trump-Pence team is very vulnerable. Cut for If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it, and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Here's Mike Pence's immediate response. Cut five. Senator, I, I just ask you, stop playing politics with people's lives. The reality is that we will have a vaccine, we believe, before the end of this year. And it will have the capacity to save countless American lives. And and your continuous undermining uh, of confidence in a vaccine is just it's just unacceptable. Your answer, Doug, what do you think? Uh, You know, on this one, all Kamala Harris had to say is if the science says that the vaccine's safe, of course, I'll take it. I, I, I would be with Pence on this one and I would say, let's get politics out of uh vaccines. And look, I'm for Biden and Harris, let me be clear. But on, on this kind of answer, when I heard that, it, 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 it left me with a bad feeling, Brian. So they kept going back and forth on fracking and packing the court. And mm-hmm. what, what Mike Pence has to do and what Donald Trump has to do, you're the expert, but they got to get them to come clean on what they will do if they get the job. Like it or not, mm-hmm. Donald Trump's doing exactly as they build the wall as we speak. What he's, he's trying to do exactly what he said he would do. But there's a big fear that the, Joe Biden's going to pretend, pretend he's a moderate and come in and bring the country wild left. One of the areas in which people of Ohio and Pennsylvania want to know is what are you doing about fracking? So Kamala Harris says we will not ban fracking. But the problem is September 2019, she said this, cut 13. Will you commit to implementing a federal ban on fracking your first day in office, adding the United States to the list of countries who have banned this devastating practice? There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. All right. And then Joe Biden, cut 14. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. 
I am not banning fracking. No more, no new fracking. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, we would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. So that's, that's what Trump's got to get out of that team. What do we believe, the 2019 guy or the 2020 guy? Well, I, I think I can on that one, Brian, uh, draw the inference that he's not going to outright ban fracking, though there's a lot of nuance. To me, the big issue, which you alluded to, is the court packing, because she wouldn't even talk about it. And that is a radical change in America that 70 percent of the American people are against. And as a moderate Democrat, I was troubled by the idea that we're going to suddenly start uh, changing the high court in fundamental ways. It didn't work under Roosevelt. It won't work now. I would have gone there to a much greater degree filibuster uh, is going to be the first thing to go. Don't you agree if the Republic, if the Democrats get the Senate? Uh, Absolutely. They're going to want to do everything with 51, 52 votes if that's what they have. And what do you think about that? I'm against it. I I think we need bipartisanship and I'm, I've always been a supporter of the filibuster. So if they get rid of that, how real is adding states? How, how real is adding states? Puerto Rico, Washington, D.C., American Samoa, Guam. If they want it and they put it to a vote in the Senate and you have the House, they'll get it. Yeah, I I think it's – look, I think we could add states and I think we could add justices and we could irrevocably change America in ways that might benefit my my side but hurt the country. I don't know how much more clear I could be, Brian. Now, look, if if you were trying to strategize with 26 days left – that's a legitimate fear, uh, and Joe Biden won't deny it, and Kamala, Kamala Harris will not deny it. A legitimate fear, and Schumer says the filibuster is going to go. I got to get things passed. How do you, how do you handle that if you're Trump? For the, I think that's a good issue for Trump. The other issue, which they disagreed on, it looked like, was the issue of who's going to raise taxes. Because if you repeal the Trump tax cuts, people under four hundred thousand, it seems to me, from what I've seen, will also see their taxes go up. But I haven't seen the Biden campaign be more forthright on tax, uh, on not raising taxes, but also I didn't hear anything from her on tax cuts for working people. Nothing uh, no, is yeah. where they should be. I think that's a bit of an issue. So we've got this news yeah. this morning that the next debate will be a virtual debate as we wait on two negative tests from the president. He said he feels great. We'll see. Uh, and, I, you know, word is the way this thing goes, he'll be fine. And this was his reaction with Maria this morning. Cut one. I'm not going to so, do a virtual debate. So, Mr. President, you're not going to do it because the CPD, the Commission on Presidential Debates, announcing this morning uh, that the second presidential debate will be virtual. Are you saying you're not going to participate? No, I'm not going to waste my time on a virtual debate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. So what's your reaction to that? Is he making the right choice? My reaction is we're probably going to have one final debate after he tests negative twice, which we all hope, uh, all Americans, I'm sure, hope happens. And I'd like to have an in-person debate. If it be two, well, let's have two. If it be one, then it'll only be one. But I tend to agree that a virtual debate doesn't make a lot of sense. So you don't think it would help the president? But I share Biden's concern that we shouldn't have an in-person debate till he tests twice negative. So you think for his own welfare? 
I think for everyone's welfare. I, I think we got to avoid another super spreader event. And there are more things uh, of importance than debates in our um, in political life. Uh, and I think health and safety is one of them. If we have one more debate, so be it. If we have two more, probably better. But they should be in person. I agree with that. So your your former the guy the uh, the guy you used to work for, Mike Bloomberg, he is uh, paying the fines of felons so they can vote. Are you okay with that? I am certainly okay with people who was by referendum empowered to vote. I think they should all vote, and I do hope they all vote in Florida, and I believe that to pay some modest fines for people who don't have the means to pay those fines is an appropriate use of resources. And don't you think you're buying votes? No, I don't think you're buying votes because Mike Bloomberg is not telling them, nor is anyone, how they should vote. He's just saying give them the right to vote. But don't you? But doesn't everyone on the planet know Mike Bloomberg wants you to vote a certain way? Uh, Mike Bloomberg has made it very clear that he's not telling them how to vote. The money is being provided to an organization, and that organization is provided a limited amount of financing to a limited number of people. And I think that's all for the good. You wrote a book on Venezuela, and a lot of Venezuelans have relocated to Florida, and they seem to be very grateful to the president for finally having a tough policy on Venezuela and, of course, reversing the Cuban policy, which had an open hand, despite the fact that they didn't do anything to earn that open hand from the Obama administration. Could that decide Florida? Oh, it's it's possible it could. I will tell you, in the Venezuelan community, there's a lot of— uh, angst that Maduro is still there, that we didn't double down. And uh, as John Bolton put in his book, put everything on the table in a way that would have gotten Maduro out. And I, I think that uh, while the Venezuelan immigrants will probably vote uh, for Trump, I don't think it's going to be unanimous. All right. Uh, Doug Schoen, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Always, Brian. Always All right. Uh, Doug Schoen uh, offers a fair and balanced analysis. Charlene on the Fox app in Washington. Charlene. Hi, Brian. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for always – I know I'm going to get the truth from you when I tune in. Thank you. My, my concern today is Kamala and Biden on packing the court. One thing I have not heard discussed is the cost. Yes, it's going to change America forever. It's also going to be a huge cost to the taxpayer, not just the justice's salary, security for that justice. Interns for that justice, other staff for that justice, desk, computers, chairs, new telephone lines, office supplies, yeah. medical and You know, that's the least of it, Charlene. It's a, it's a factor, but it just diminishes the Supreme Court because the Republicans, if they ever get in charge, they're going to go, I'm going to fix it. I guess that's, a, that's an ESPN break. Uh, but they're going to fix it, and it, it's going to end up ruining a branch of government. It's going to ruin the balance of power in the country. It's just such a disaster, Charlene. Thank you. When we come back, we'll find out if there's more to know. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, welcome uh, welcome back, everybody. we got a few calls up there. I also want to find out if uh, there's more to know. But first, let's go out to Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, where we have Howard. Hey, Howard. 
Brian, Brian, let's go with the virtual debate. We need it. We need the. We need him fighting for us. Uh, send in an election observer like uh, Chris Christie or Rudy Giuliani to make sure Biden's not cheating. Gotcha. Dude, uh, so go in there and change it to your level just to make sure there's no prompter loading or any cue cards. All right, Howard, I hear you. Bob, we'll see you in Kansas City. Bob. Yeah, hey, I just wanted to point out uh, Chris Wallace was uh, off base on the 14 days. Uh, President Trump is currently, as far as I know, asymptomatic, and so— 10 days. He'd be good to go in 10 days. I'm a physician. I'm on the front lines. I've been knee deep in COVID. So uh, I just wanted to point that out. Awesome. Eric, WNIS, Virginia Beach. Eric. Hey, good morning, Brian. I uh, like your show. It reminds me of home. I'm from Massapequa originally. All right. And I wanted to tell you not to let Greg uh, get to you. He's just jealous. Greg Gutfeld. I know. It's not easy being him. Uh, Right. Eric, so real quick, debate who won? Uh, well, I think Pence won. I had a long list of issues that he uh, 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 bitch slapped, if you don't mind the expression, uh, Kamala, and I think she was uh, walking funny after that and will be for a few days. Eric, thanks so much. Find out if there's more to know. More to know. 79% of parents say... They take Halloween candy from their kids. That's when we used to do trick-or-treating. That, according to a morning morning consult poll, swiping a few pieces of candy isn't the only way parents ensure they have some special treats for themselves. 31% of adults have plans to stash some of their kids' candy. What's your reaction to that? Is that you? Um, I, Yeah, I'll probably do that because there's only so much candy a three-year-old needs. Did you ever do that when your kids went trick-or-treating? Not a big candy guy. Of course I, not. I hate the holiday, but I like it for kids. I like that kids like it. Next, Russell Westbrook left $8,000 tip for housekeepers as he left the NBA bubble. Unbelievable. The 31-year-old uh, played well for Houston Rockets, but not good enough to get them through. When he was finally done, he left them a huge tip. Westbrook told Bleacher Report that showing his appreciation was simply the right thing to do. Quote, they took great care of us, took the time and energy to do their jobs. That was the right thing to do. In addition to that, Westbrook also left his room virtually spotless prior to checking out. How cool is that? That's awesome. How many times have you left your room virtually spotless when you checked out? Never, but I always tip. Yes. I never tip. I used to tell when I used to take my team on the road, whatever you do, you got to leave money for the housekeepers. They work so hard. Former Governor Chris Christie has spent five days in the hospital after being treated for the coronavirus with little word on how he's doing. Uh, but you heard something, Allison, right? He called a Star Ledger reporter a few days ago to sort of rub in that that reporter wrote, you know, when he was governor, um, about how when he took a trip over to the Middle East that he shouldn't have been able to do it. But Christie said, no, the loophole is if we're friends. So that, um, I think King, I forget from where, called Christie while I was in the hospital to check on him. So then he called the reporter to be like, hey, you said we're not friends. Guess who just called me to say, you know, I hope you're doing well. And nice. the reporter said he didn't cough once. He just sounded a little raspy. All right. Uh, that's great news. More than 100 New Jersey schools have reported COVID-19 cases. Uh, that is pretty bad. There are 130 New Jersey schools on the list, though a few appear to be possible duplicates of those classes. Uh, they have 2,500 in all, and they got about 1,000 private institutions. You worry. Nobody wants that lockdown again. But kids are not in that much in danger. It's infinitesimal. Kids got to work through it. I think there's a way to do it. I think my town's got it down. All right, Allison, Eric, great job. Pete, wherever you are. 
Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.